Thank you for tuning in. This is a message from God's House International Centre, Bristol. We pray that it leaves a lasting impact and that what you hear blesses you, encourages you, fills you with hope and points you to the ultimate source of peace, which is Jesus. Enjoy the message. I pray that by the end of today, we will all have a renewed vigour in order to see immense growth this year. So for those of us who have seen growth and are motivated to see more growth, congratulations. Keep going, continue to encourage yourself. The Bible says in Proverbs 12 verse 14, a man will be satisfied with good from the fruit of his words and the deeds of a man's hand will return to him as a harvest. Keep tilling that soil. Keep plowing that field. Keep opening your mouth and encouraging yourself like David did. You will see your harvest. Amen? For those of us who may have lost a little bit of hope, start afresh. Draw a line in the sand. Let this be your cockerel crow moment. When the cockerel crowed for Peter, it signaled the end of one era and the beginning of another. Peter could have given up at that point, but what did he do? He got up. He got up. He kept going. So if you've lost hope, do not be afraid or discouraged. God is with you, Joshua 1.8. Remember that nothing is impossible with God. We've heard that this morning, Matthew 19.26. And recall Pastor Zach's teaching about Ezekiel and the dry bones. Have faith. Tell the mountain to move, Matthew 17.20. And for those of us who have been running hard, but are running out of a little bit of steam, keep going. Don't give up. Do not grow weary. Your harvest is coming. Galatians 6 verse 9. God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Let's trust in God and you will find new strength. That's Isaiah 40 verse 28 to 31. Do not be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. That's Isaiah 41 verse 10. So no matter which camp you are in, as I say, I pray that this service will be the start of a new trajectory. We will drive forward. We will see immense growth. You know, I want to credit my husband. Thank you, Pastor Tops. Give everybody a wave. <laughs> when I was preparing the word, he, um, he gave me space to do so. But then as I was speaking, we, I, I spoke with him yesterday night. My initial title for this message was immense growth. Shift gear, accelerate. And I could see all the Formula One fans getting a bit excited. And then we changed it because actually there's very little Formula One in this message. <laughs> We're calling it immense growth, regroup, reposition, and reinforce. Regroup, reposition, and reinforce. So as I said, there's no Formula One in this message, but we are going to talk biology. I'm from a science background. Some people, as soon as I said biology, wanted to switch off. Don't worry, I'll break it down. We can all understand this. You've got this. <laughs> so in biological terms, and I'm not talking birds and bees here, in biological terms, there's something called microscopic growth, which is tiny. It cannot be seen by the naked eye. And there's macroscopic growth, which is where you can now see it visibly with your eyes. Microscopic growth happens 
in a way that is not seen by the outward perception. You need a specific lens and an order of magnification to be able to see microscopic growth. But for growth to be seen macroscopically, outwardly, you need to have grown microscopically. Many of us want to see the outward growth, but we're not willing to put in the hard graft to grow where nobody can see it. For example, when we go to the gym and we decide that we're going to grow some certain muscle groups, before you start to see those bigger biceps, something is happening at a smaller cellular level. If we give up while the cells are growing and activity is taking place where we cannot see, we will never see the outward growth. This is why Galatians 9 says, do not grow weary. So let's look at it microscopically. When we grow, it is not because one cell becomes very big. Imagine if the only cell in your body that grew from the time you were a child to your adulthood was one cell in your toe. It would make no sense. So when organisms grow, when humans grow, it is because the cells multiply. They replicate to produce more of the same cells. That's a process called mitosis. You don't need to remember the name of it. But let's look at the phases of multiplication. I don't know if multimedia have a picture there for me. Perfect. So, as I said, you can have one cell continue to grow, but that makes no sense. But can you see that when one cell divides and multiplies, all of a sudden you start to see exponential growth? The, the number of cells from multiplication occupies a bigger space than the one cell that tried to grow on its own. What are you multiplying in your life? So, let's go through the phases of multiplication when it comes to the cell level. We're going to talk phase one, rest. Phase two, move. And phase three, consolidate. In other words, regroup, reposition, relocate. So phase one, rest. If anybody hasn't listened to Pastor Nyasha's message on rest, please go back and listen to it. Most cells, cells spend the most time in the rest phase. This is the time when they gather energy in preparation for growth. They gather and increase their internal resources so that when two new cells are produced, they both have enough to sustain and flourish themselves. Ask yourself, what do I need to acquire to prepare for multiplication? It might be a physical acquisition. It might be character development. It might be spiritual growth. It might be discipline. Maybe it's diligence and perseverance. What do I need to acquire to prepare for multiplication? So as you can see, rest is not a passive phase. Something is happening. Many of us see rest as 
lying dormant, doing nothing, vegging out for a day. But in the rest phase for multiplication, something is happening internally to prepare for that growth. Now, interestingly, the rate of cell multiplication is dependent on the function and the characteristic of the cell type. In other words, different cells multiply at different rates. And what, is the, what the difference is, is the rest phase that determines how quickly a cell multiplies. If you are a brain cell, do not expect to multiply as rapidly as a skin cell. Many of us are looking at John resting and, they think it, and we think it's our time to rest. Equally, when you see Martha working, it might actually be your time to take stock. Stop looking at what your neighbor is doing. It might not be your phase. So as I said, many of us are passive in our rest phase instead of being active. And the reason for this is we don't want to disturb the status quo. We're often afraid that if we disturb the status quo, it will be a messy process. Proverbs 14 verse 4 in the ESV version excited me. It sounded like something that my dad would say or a grandparent would say as you're sitting by their feet. Let me say it with an accent. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Hallelujah. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. The oxen represent your resources. You can keep it clean. You can manage the status quo. But then don't expect an abundant crop. Have you strengthened, have you acquired oxen? Have you fed the oxen to strengthen them? If not, why are you expecting to see abundant crops? If we focus so much on the temporary mess that comes with acquiring the resources, we miss out on the long-term harvest. How strong are your resources? Have you invested in your resources? When we say invest, people always think it's an external investment. How many books have you read this year? When last did you read the word of God? When last did you pray? If you're not willing to get a little messy and feel a little uncomfortable, you will stay clean, but you'll be fruitless and unproductive. Phase one, rest. Active rest. Phase two, move. When a cell is multiplying, resources are intentionally moved around within the cell in order to prepare for division and multiplication. It is not a random movement. It's intentional movement. In that process, some things have to disappear. Some things need to form. And eventually, the parent cell splits into two identical daughter cells that are exact replicas of the original. There's multiplication. Ask yourself, 
What needs to be broken down or to disappear in my life to form a conducive environment for growth? What needs to shift position for my increase to occur? Is it your mindset? Is it your health? Is it your priorities, your time allocations? Is it some friends? Winston Churchill said, change is the essence of life. Be willing to surrender what you are for what you could become. Many of us want to stay as we are because we fail to visualize what we could become. Even the Lord said it, unless a wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains on its own. What have you given up in order to prepare for more? Let's look at the parable of the seeds in Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 15. We're reading it in the TPT version. I'll focus on verses 5 to 8 and verses 11 to 15, but feel free to read the whole thing in your own time. So it says, A farmer went out to sow seeds for a harvest. As he scattered his seeds, some of them fell on the hard pathway and were quickly trampled down and unable to grow and became nothing but bird seed. Some fell on the gravel, and though they sprouted, they couldn't take root. It withered for lack of moisture. Other seeds fell where there was nothing but weeds. They too were unable to grow to full maturity, for the weeds choked them out. Yet some of the seeds fell onto good, fertile soil, and they grew and flourished until they produced more than a hundredfold harvest, a bumper crop. Then Jesus added, shouting out to all who would hear, listen with your heart and you will understand. Brethren, listen with your heart now. He interpreted it for them. He said, here, here then is the deeper meaning to my parable. I'm in verse 11. The word of God is the seed that is sown into hearts. The hard pathway represents the hard hearts of those who hear the word of God, but the slanderer, otherwise known as the devil, quickly snatches away what was sown in their hearts. Thank you. To keep them from believing and experiencing salvation. The seeds falling on gravel represent those who initially respond to the word with joy, but soon afterward, when a season of difficulty and harassment of the enemy comes to them, they wither and fall away, for they have no root in the truth, and their faith is temporary. The seeds that fall into the weeds represent the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off by their own anxious cares, the riches of the world, and the fleeting pleasures of life. This is why they never become mature and fruitful. The seed that fell into good, fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their heart. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. Hallelujah. So, from this parable, go back and look at it in your own time, but let me pull out some points. The components required for growth and fruitfulness were number one, belief. Did you hear the word about immense growth this year and automatically discount yourself? As a man thinks in his heart, 
so is he. Did you believe this was your year of immense growth? Number two, roots and moisture. We need to dig deep, we need to work on it. Did you do business with the word given to us this year? Did you allow the word to take root in your heart? The Bible says Paul planted, Apollos watered, but it's God that causes it to grow. But if you've not dug deep, if you've not worked on it, what can God water for you? What can God help you to grow? Number three, perseverance through challenges, otherwise known as resilience. Did you make a start but give up when you met resistance? Was the resistance internal? Was it in your mind? Was it external? Was it people? Was it opportunity? Was it lack of vision? Did you give up? We go back to Galatians 6, 9. Do not grow weary in doing good. Romans 5, verse 3 to 5 tells us that trials lead to patience, lead to character, and leads to a hope that does not disappoint. James 1, chapter, uh, verse 2 to 4 says trials cause faith to be tested, but in that testing, endurance grows, and then we lack nothing. Have you persevered? Number four. So I'll go back. Number one, belief. Number two, roots and moisture. Number three, perseverance and resilience. Number four, focus. We have to be focused to avoid being choked by the worries and cares and distractions of life. Did you get distracted somewhere along the line? A cell that loses its focus is in a diseased state. The body will either realign it or clear it away. What have you done with those strands that actually are distractions? A flower, as beautiful as it is, in the wrong place can be considered a weed. If a farmer sees the seedling of an apple tree in the middle of their wheat crop, what does he do? Uproots it. Not because the apple is bad, but it's not what he was growing, and it will take over all the nutrients required for that wheat crop. What distracted cells have you allowed to grow unchecked in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, in your finances? You said you were gonna buy yourself a new house this year, but what have you used your money to do instead? You bought a car. The car wasn't wrong, but was that what you set out to do? What good flowers or seeds have you allowed to take root, but they're in the wrong place at the wrong time, and so they're choking your true goals? Focus stands for follow one course until successful. Follow one course until successful. Note it, let's apply it. As I'm speaking, don't think I've got this all figured out. I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to you. Number five, stubborn faith. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11 verse 1. In Mark 11, 22 to 24, we're told to believe and not doubt. And whatever we ask for in prayer, we will receive it. We read Mark chapter 9 verse 24 to 25. We, we can ask God to help our unbelief and increase our faith. You see the same in Luke 17 verse 5 and numerous accounts where the disciples say, Lord, help our unbelief. 
Have stubborn faith. And where your faith is small, ask for increased faith. Your increase in faith will increase your growth. And number six, fertile soil. External factors can influence your rate of growth. Are you correctly located for growth? Are you sitting on the right culture medium? Does your soil have the necessary nutrients? Again, I ask, when last did you pray? When last did you read the word of God? When last did you declare God's word over your life and circumstances? So that's phase two, move. Intentional movement, not random movement, intentional movement. Phase three, does everyone remember phase one? Okay, phase one was active rest. Phase two, intentional movement. Phase three, consolidate. To consolidate means to reinforce, to strengthen. When cells divide and multiply, a new envelope has to form around the two cells in order to consolidate them as individual entities. Growth has to be consolidated or reinforced in order to ensure its longevity. And then once they have been consolidated as individual entities, the new cells enter into phase one through three, and eventually they replicate as well. And as such, one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes eight, like the picture we saw at the beginning, we're seeing exponential growth. And what happens? With growth comes more capacity. With growth comes bigger impact. With growth comes greater reach and influence. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, I'll read it from the TPT. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Pastor Nyasha, you spoke this word when you were ministering just now. What you can think of, God can do more. For some of us, the rate-limiting step is that we have not dreamed. We have not imagined and we have not requested. We think it's hard to set goals, but actually a dream that you write down with a date is a goal. Pastor Osian told us that God will not cause nothing to grow. God's infinite power times your zero imagination equals zero. God's infinite power times your lack of a dream equals zero. God's infinite power times your lack of request equals zero. You have not because you ask not. Phase three, consolidate. 
Now, once all those phases have occurred time and again at a microscopic level, we can then stand back and look externally and see the evidence of growth. Once microscopic multiplication and growth has reached a sufficient level, we now see the biceps growing. We see bigger muscles. If you're not seeing outward growth, ask yourself, have I paid attention to the small details? Have I put in the effort to grow at a level where no one else can see it yet? Pastor Osien told us that growth is not inherited. John C. Maxwell put it in a different way. He said, change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Each cell inherits what it needs to grow, but each cell has to work individually for multiplication to occur. God is our parent cell. He has blessed us all to be fruitful and multiply. As such, if we choose not to grow, it is not because we have not been given the ability to do so. It is because we have chosen not to utilize what we have been given. God is our parent cell, I repeat it. And God is always fruitful. So if we are not producing fruit, we are not walking in our purpose and we are not true disciples of our creator. If you think I'm making it up, see John 15 verse 1 to 8, NLT version. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, that do bear fruit, sorry, so they will produce even more. He cuts off the branches that don't produce fruit. Some things are being removed. And he prunes the ones that are bearing fruit. Some things are being removed. Where did we say that was? In phase two. Now, verse three says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Are you planted in the right soil? Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Have you asked? Verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This will bring great glory to my Father. If you're not fruitful, are you really a follower of Christ? What glory are you bringing to God the Father if you're not producing fruit? Our scripture for the year was Genesis chapter 26. It was the example of Isaac. I want us to take a look at this example in more detail, and then we'll round up. So I'll be reading Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 to 6. 
verses 12 to 13 and verses 14 to 23. I'll read it, but as I'm reading, I'll also interject to show the phases of multiplication that we've just spoken about. We remember the three of them. Active rest, intentional movement, consolidation. So let's see how Isaac did it. A severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac, what did he do? Moved. Action. He moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. Now, we say there's a famine. Cost of living crisis was happening in Genesis here. But see what happens. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. The word of the Lord was spoken. The word of the Lord was spoken over us this year, immense growth. Live here as a foreigner. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed action in Gerar. Isaac moved. Isaac stayed. And in the process, he had heard the word of God and he obeyed. Verse 12. When Isaac planted another action, his crops that year, he harvested another action, a hundred times more grain than he planted. Why? For the Lord blessed him. The Lord is the catalyst. He's the fertilizer. He's the multiplication factor. He's the supernatural backing and power that we need to see growth. And verse 13 says, he became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. The result. Isaac moved, action. Isaac stayed, action. Isaac planted, action. Isaac harvested, action. The Lord blessed, catalyst, and he became very rich, result. Many of us want to see the result, but we forget to put in the action, and we don't ask the catalyst. Why are you expecting to see results? Then what happens next? Adversity came. It said he acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants, that the Philistines became jealous of him. During his cost of living crisis, Isaac grew. And he had grown small by small, little by little, until it became evident. And when it became evident, it invoked jealousy. So the Philistines filled up all Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. It was his inheritance. They're now messing with his inheritance. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. His work was destroyed. His inheritance was destroyed and desecrated, and he's now been evicted. 
How many of us would have given up at that point? How many of us would have, okay, we're going, but you know, I still have my sheep and my goats. I'm just going to stay as I am and live life out. But what did Isaac do? He moved away to the Gerar Valley where he set up his tents and settled down. He regrouped. He didn't just do nothing. He reopened the wells he restored. When adversity comes, that's not the time to just lie down and be content with your lot. Regroup, restore. So he reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Ezek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. Each time adversity came, he kept it moving. He didn't let it stop him. And isn't it interesting that he was already prosperous, but when he was given room, he said, God has given me room to prosper. How much prosperity does one man want? Many of us get sidetracked watching somebody's growth and thinking that they're being greedy. But the only time a cell stops multiplying is when it dies. Growth for me may look very different to growth for you. Growth to somebody living on the streets would be to have a tent. Growth to somebody living in a tent would be to be in a shared room, sharing a bed with two or three other individuals. Growth to that person sharing one bed may be to have their own room. Growth to a person in a four-bed house may be a five or six bed. Let's not despise other people for their growth. Just because you have does not mean you sit back and stop. Immense growth applies to us all. Now, verse 23. From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, your servant. Isn't that interesting? God gave him a promise to grow him. He grew. In that place of growth, God met him again and said, what? I will multiply you. You can grow and continue to grow. You can grow and continue to grow. Then what did Isaac do in response? Isaac built an altar there and worshipped. He worshipped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. Verse 26. One day, King Abimelech came from Gerar with his advisor, Ahuthath, and also Fikol, his army commander. The king of the Philistines came with his advisor and his army commander. These are high-profile individuals. Why have you come here, Isaac asked. You obviously hate me since you kicked me off your land. They replied, we can plainly see 
that the Lord is with you. The evidence of growth and God's hand on Isaac's life was clear for all to see. So we want to enter into a sworn treaty with you. Let's make a covenant. Swear that you will not harm us, just as we have never troubled you. We have always treated you well and we sent you away from us in peace. And now look how the Lord has blessed you. Was that true? You never harmed me? If we were Isaac, would we not have had that bond? <laughs> Will you? <laughs> we would have risen up in anger. You kicked me off your land. You said you never harmed me. What do you mean? But what did Isaac do? Wisdom. Isaac prepared a covenant feast to celebrate the treaty, and they ate and drank together. Early the next morning, they each took a solemn oath not to interfere with each other. Then Isaac sent them home again, and they left him in peace. Isaac consolidated. His wealth was free to grow in peace. He formed an alliance, a NATO covenant, so that if anybody should attack Isaac now, King Abimelech could arise to defend the oath. Have you consolidated your growth? So, we can see that Isaac demonstrated all three phases of multiplication. He rested actively. He stayed in the Gerar. He accumulated his resources. He moved. Admittedly, he was forced to move, but he moved. And he did not stop moving, nor did he stop growing. He intentionally moved and he consolidated. Let's look back at the hard parts of our year so far. Because Isaac wasn't free from adversity. He was living in a time of famine. And then adversity kept coming, adversity kept coming, but he didn't give up. It was Pastor, uh, Reverend Celia said once, disaster is opportunity in disguise. Disaster is opportunity in disguise. When we look back at the hard parts of the last six months of 2023, if we can look past the difficulty and the pain, can we identify some potential opportunities that we may have just been a bit too afraid to take and if we're in that place of hardship now, can we take this opportunity to, to, to look through a different lens, to find those opportunities for growth? I'll finish with this, and then I hand over to Bishop Abraham. May this be our song for the year. Psalm 92, verse 12 to 15 in the TPT version. It says in verse 12, yes, look how you've made all your devoted lovers to flourish like palm trees. We will flourish, amen? Each one growing in victory, standing with strength, amen? You've transplanted them into your heavenly courtyard where they are thriving before you. We're going to thrive in 2023. 
For in your presence, they will still overflow and be anointed. Even in their old age, they will stay fresh. Don't retire and do nothing. I know when my dad was retiring, he was afraid that would be it, he'd die. How many people know that when multimillionaires say they've retired, there's still something going on in the back burners? Their wealth is still growing. Let's go back to the word. Even in their old age, they will stay fresh, a freshness to you, bearing luscious fruit and abiding faithfully. Listen to them. With pleasure they still proclaim, you're so good. You're my beautiful strength. You've never made a mistake with me. We started the service declaring the goodness of God. We will end 2023 declaring the goodness of God. Amen? Even if things have not been going according to plan so far. Let that not stop you from rewriting the trajectory of the remainder of your year. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Regroup, reposition, reinforce. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from God's House International Centre, Bristol. For more information, please visit our website or find us on social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.